0: and welcome to the Riff Raff podcast hosted by Amy Baker and Rosie Edwards. We set up the Riff to champion the work of debut authors and to provide guidance and support for those dreaming of one day being published themselves. Today we're talking to Fatima Fahim Mirza about her debut A Place for Us. We discuss how exploratory writing can help you discover your plot, the importance of honouring the journey of your characters and addressing cultural issues without creating generalisations.
1: As Amar watched the hall filled with guests arriving for his sister's wedding, he promised himself he would stay. It was his duty tonight to greet them. A simple task, one he told himself he could do well, and he took pride in stepping forward to shake the hands of the men or hold his hand over his heart to pay the women respect. He hadn't expected his smile to mirror those who seemed happy to see him nor had he anticipated the startling comfort in the familiarity of their faces. It had really been three years. Had it not been for his sister's call, he might have allowed even more years to pass before summoning the courage to return. He touched his tie to make sure it was centered. He smoothed down his hair, as if a stray strand would be enough to call attention, give him away. An old family friend called out his name and hugged him. What would he tell them if they asked where he had been and how he was doing the sounds of the shanai started up to signal the commencement of hadia's wedding and suddenly the hall was brought to life there beneath the golden glow of the chandeliers and surrounded by the bright colors of the women's dresses omar thought maybe he had been right to come he could convince them all the familiar faces his father who maintained his distance He could even convince himself that he belonged here, that he could wear the suit and play the part, be who he had been before, and assume his role tonight as brother of the bride.
2: Hi, Fatima, and thank you so much for joining us on the Riff podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. We're so pleased to have you here. To begin, could you tell our listeners who haven't read your debut novel yet what A Place For Us is about?
1: So A Place for Us is about a family, a Muslim-American family, and it begins when the youngest son, Amar, returns home to attend his sister Hadia's wedding after having run away three years ago. And so readers don't know why he ran away and what it means that he's returned. And from there, we dip into moments of the family's past, um, not chronologically, when the mother, Layla, is very young or when Amar is you know, a teenager or when Hadia is 13. And eventually you figure out why he ran away, how every family member was complicit in the fracturing of their family as a unit. And then you're back at the wedding and they're all reckoning with the decisions that they made when the children were very young.
2: Oh, it's mm. it's such an interesting premise and the fact that it unfurls so slowly towards the ending. But we'll come on to that because we've got so many questions about that. So, first of all, I sort of want to pick up on that the quietness of it. it it couldn't be more different from the sort of high octane psychological thrillers that have been sort of dominating the charts recently which is such a I'm that's that's the kind of book that I really love <laughs> so I'm like all for it. it because it's a slow burn how did you ensure that you were always driving the narrative forward and keeping the reader engaged without sacrificing any of that very subtle character development so my um,
1: my goal was always in service of the characters, and I really wanted to know um, I really wanted to know what their lives were actually like, and so I knew I would want to dive down into these moments of their of their childhood and their family, and and kind of capture the quality of their everyday everyday life. But I also wanted each of those. Those scenes to reveal something crucial about where the family is at, or um, what decision they might be a- about to make in that b- in that scene that will alter their co- their destiny and the destiny of their loved ones. And so I knew I didn't want to enter these scenes for no reason, but I didn't always know, you know, how would it be accumulating? How what effect would it take on? So a lot of the beginning. Um, writing that I did was just exploring I, and I would think to myself okay I want to be with Hadia today and she's 13 and I don't know why I'm with her today but I'm gonna do my best to really imagine everything she's seeing and thinking in this moment that's significant and so she's observing her brother um, play with the other boys and w- through that observation we realize oh Amara's been having a hard time making friends which will reveal us something about you know who he's gonna be one day um, and then we also see, oh, she has a crush on this boy. And so then suddenly I know, how will I follow this crush throughout her life? Um, so a lot of the pacing things, um, I didn't know until much later. But in the... yeah.
0: So, that's so interesting. So that was... Those kind of things were just you just thinking, well, I'm going to put my characters in that situation and this might not necessarily go in the book. Yes. I'm just going to kind of put them in different scenarios and see what happens. How much of it actually ended up going in there?
1: So when I first... my. <clears throat> Final first draft of the book was five hundred and sixty pages, <laughs> so a lot of it has been has been cut. Um,
0: I forgot. What I was how, supposed- well, how much? How much of the kind of like the ex- exploratory exploring. writing ended up being in the actual final copy?
1: Um, a lot, a lot of it. So the the way that I a lot of it, but a lot of the it was trimmed too. I wanted to keep what was essential, and now when I look back at it, there are still moments where I think, oh, I could have trimmed that. You know, um. Maybe that's not the best thing to to confess. Um, but it's true. Actually, yeah. yeah.
0: Like, oh dear, like when you're reading aloud, you're always crossing oh, that bit and you don't want to say. Get
1: that yeah. right. Right, <laughs> right. Um, but. So the whole time that I was writing the past scenes in trying to explore what their lives were like and what decisions that they made that they couldn't undo, um, I was always working towards a single moment, which doesn't come until part two, no, no, sorry, part three of the novel when you're back at the wedding, because I knew, I didn't, I knew where the family would arrive one day. I knew that one day that the family would be gathered at their sister's wedding and, It's time to take the family photograph and they're looking out at the crowd and wondering, will our son make it in time? And so that's the first image of the novel that ever came to me. And so all of those past scenes were written as a way to kind of understand that moment and ask myself, how did this family one day arrive at a place where something so simple and crucial, like their own son being present in the, the family photograph, is, is a question, is a, you know, maybe he won't make it. And so so even though the past scenes are exploring Leila moving into their house, or Hadia at Sunday school, or Omar falling in love, or um, whatever else they explore, at some level, the consciousness of those characters are trying to figure out what is Amar doing in these moments? How is he experiencing being in this family? And how am I as his mother or his sister, um, complicit in the, the loneliness or the estrangement that eventually causes him to leave?
2: Mm. I love that idea. Just like kind of just taking one moment and then writing a whole novel based upon one quite short moment. It's a, fantastic idea and also, yeah. and also the
0: kind of idea of writing um
2: writing just to sort of discover
0: rather than you know I think writers put so much pressure on themselves to write and it has to be like this is my first draft of this whereas like just writing to kind of get to know your characters and to yeah. kind of just explore the story is a really lovely kind of nice thing that probably most writers should do but Great. do you think that's something because I know that you went you've you um studied at the Iowa Writers Workshop yes is that kind of some one of the um one of the kind of techniques that you got taught there, or is this something that you've always done with your writing? What technique like, exactly? Like kind of like, well, just sort of choosing, choosing kind of a moment and then choosing to kind of do the exploratory writing around it. Like, is that kind of, some kind of... I don't think
1: if anyone had ever um, told me to approach it that way. I think that every single writer approaches their drafting process or how they explore their characters or how they get to know them in different ways. Um, but for me, it really helped to just write these scenes in in... In first person, no, no, it's not first person. In in present tense. In, um, and I wanted to approach each of those scenes as if that's the only moment that that character would ever exist in. So when I'm, for example, when I'm approaching Hadia, at on her ninth birthday, and this boy from from the community is walking up to her, Abbas Ali, and he's being nice to her at this party, and she's feeling horrible at her ninth birthday party. I wanted to approach that that Hadia in that moment as if that's the only moment Hadia would ever exist in, so to really capture the fullness of that. Mm -hmm. And then later, when I approach Hadia at 17 or 18, I think she is, and that same boy is present, um, and she has feelings for him. She's maintained her feelings throughout her life. I wanted to in writing that, in writing each scene as if it was the only and as if if it was so encompassing for this character I wanted the reader to have this feeling that um, that Hadia doesn't even remember that day at being that day that she was nine and she developed, that she first experienced this boy being nice to her and she, even at at 18, she might not know oh, this is why I have a feeling for him, you know, but the readers know Mm -hmm. that's kind of
0: what
2: I was hoping to get with the
0: Again, like with getting the fullness yeah. of the of the moment, that's a lovely way of looking at it.
2: Mm, yeah, because I think a lot of writers are thinking right, right from the beginning, they're trying to chart where the character is at point A and how they're going to get to point B at the end of the novel, whereas that didn't seem to matter as much. It was just, this is where they are, and I'm going to write this, and then right. spend some more time with them and see where we go. Right and then after when i was done
1: I, w- when i had explored enough that i told myself okay fatima now you have to stop exploring <laughs> and you have to do what you you just said which is begin at the beginning page one i printed out all of those past sections and they were labeled things like leila 26 home hadia 13 picnic table amar 17 party one you know and i set them all out and then that's when the editing began and that's when i started to think what has to happen first in order for the rest of the novel to make sense? What can't be given away yet? And then I tried to structure them all um, that way.
2: So it struck me that the book is as much about finding your place within your family as it is as finding your identity. And I wondered how much you that, that particular idea sort of resonated with you and how much you felt like your characters in that sense those it's
1: interesting that you say that because to me those two ideas are exactly tied i think that you know you first learn who you are from your family it's like i am the person who is in this family and then you so you learn who you are because those are the people that you belong to and they're the people who make you and they're the people who's you know you can't conceive of your life without them but at the same time as you grow older, as you become aware of the I within this community, within this family, it's those are the very people that you can kind of distinct know yourself by distinguishing yourself from, by saying to yourself, you know, I am I am Hadiya because I think this way, whereas I, because I'm not like my mother who thinks this way, you know, and so that's kind of so that push and pull between um, the individual wanting to 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 feel that their identity is is tied to what their family's identity as a unit is, at the same time being aware of themselves as an individual and knowing how that can cause um, ripples with what their family might think of them to be. that That was the kind of um, context that I think these characters find themselves in. Especially Hadiya and Amar, because they're, you know, for Leila and Rafik, they've moved to this country. They're trying to create a life for their family that's um, one that values the the faith and the rituals and the customs that they hold really dear, and and import that and impart that, sorry, onto their children. But for for Hadiya and Amar, the question for them is. You know what do I inherit because I actually want to, and how can I create an authentic life for myself in instances where I find I don't want to, and if I, and if there are things that I that set myself apart for them, how do I honor those parts of me if it can cause you know sadness to the people I've come from, and so that is a question that I did feel growing up in my own, um, in my own family or in my in the context of me and my in the faith that I was born into um or the culture and the community that I've come from that kind of um territory was something that I was always navigating in big and small ways like whether it's thinking what what career do I take on um you know what kind of clothes do I wear what do I eat like from the smallest things to the larger you know destiny making questions that's something that I was thinking about and
2: Yeah. And when you were starting to think about the book when it was sort of coming to you what came first? Was it the characters as individuals or was it the relationships between the characters?
1: So I always knew that I was interested in sibling dynamics. I always knew because I had started different projects before committing to this one and um, I did want to know how do you become who you are based off of who your sibling is because you know they're the people who you're you're exposed to the same elements in a way and same like relationship dynamics you're the only ones who knows what it's like to grow up with your particular mother and father mm-hmm. and so I, I that was a question that I had but in terms of this project I it was the character first and all of that came later whether it is exploring through Hadia and Amar the slipping dynamic, or exploring through them, the individual versus the community, all those bigger questions. It it was the character first. It was that image at the wedding of them gathered. I knew it was Hadia's wedding. And then when I first typed the name Hadia, that's when it clicked in and I was like, Oh, this it's 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 his own thing now. It's not you know
2: Oh, what a wonderful feeling. I think all writers strive for that feeling mm. of here it is. And now I just have to follow it. Yeah, now to write it first. How How long did it take you
1: to write? So I started it at 18 and I finished it at 26. Okay. I'm 27 now. And so I submitted it in March, okay. March of this year.
0: Oh, and, wow. Yeah. Gosh, so you only submitted it in March and it's already yes. being published. That's, yeah, I know. It's been quick.
1: A, It's been a whirlwind. And yeah. in some ways I feel like... I'm still living inside of it, you know, or I haven't had any time to live outside of it because as soon as I turn it in, suddenly it's, how do you talk about it now? You know, which is kind of an impossible thing to do because I don't think you can talk about it. I think I'm talking around things, but the only way to really engage with what I was trying to do is through the characters and is through the story itself.
0: Is that quite rare for it to be that quick, like the turnaround to be so speedy?
1: Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, I've guess, never, yeah. I've never published before, yeah, yeah. and I've also Stevie never debut authors, read yeah, so no,
0: yeah. I mean, like I just feel like there's not, It seems like there's normally more of a lead time, but that's
2: not well, your expectation well, like, at school. Well, maybe that's a good time to actually pick up on the slightly unusual or definitely innovative way in which you've been published because you are Sarah Jessica Parker's first acquisition for her imprint at yeah. Hogarth tell us a little bit about that how did that come about
1: so my um i had sent the, the, the a draft of the novel to my agent right around the time that sarah jessica was working with sjp for hogarth to find a manuscript and so my manuscript happened to to fall into her hands and i i i feel so when i think of like all of the different ways that this could have gone, had my manuscript gone out one month earlier, one month later. I just feel so fortunate that it found her hands in that moment and that I've been able to... I know, and that I've been (laughs) able to embark on this journey with her um, because it really has... It's really made such a difference. Um, You know, I... When I because I did work on it for so long because I did work on it in the dark for so long and I was felt so protective of these characters I had no idea what it would be like to suddenly think okay now it's gonna be made into a book and people are gonna um, but when I the from the very first conversation that I had with Sarah Jessica Parker and the way that she was talking about fiction in general and the way that she was talking about her intentions with the imprint and then the way that she was talking about the scenes. That, in the novel and the what the characters are going through that are at the very heart of what the book is to me at the very core of what I most wanted to convey to a reader I kept feeling like oh my god you're the ideal reader that I would have imagined for this book and I so trust what you're the way that you think about fiction the way that you're approaching this imprint the way that you're embodying your role as a publisher I just trust you Is like the feeling that I had um
0: how
2: wonderful! Yeah, because no, she's a, so... she's a prolific reader and book lover herself, yeah. isn't she? So that that must have come across. And did you talk about books that you loved, and how much did you go into, you know, sort of outside of the book?
1: Yeah, in the past year, we've been able to really. Um, that is the that is what we do talk about when we're together. I feel like the the way that she the way that she reads and how much she loves reading is so apparent when you're talking to her that it is and because my relationship with her is through books and it is about fiction it's it's just um that enthusiasm and that like absolute um care for literary fiction in particular that she has it's like what charges the conversation no matter no matter what like even if we're talking about what her daughter is reading or even if we're talking about how my dad is responding to the to the novel and things like that it's just made it such a like a personal and um close kind of conversation that I didn't even you know picture having
0: oh lovely yeah um so one of the messages your book conveys seems to be um that what we present to the world isn't necessarily what's going on inside our heads which Mm. I feel yeah, it's very right very apt for a lot of the books we're reading. So writing can function as an outlet for that. Is that something that you kind of like readily identify with?
1: Yeah, I loved uh, every time I'm entering a scene, that's the most exciting thing to me because I'm and also that was exciting about this novel in particular because I do go into different perspectives. And so I was able to enter so fully each of these characters' minds as though like I was saying earlier, as though they're the only ones. And then I could leave it and, and But in entering them, I I would see the way that they're observing their their loved ones, their family members, the assumptions that they're making, as well as the things that they're observing that their family doesn't even think that they're doing. Like Amar watching Hadia since she's a kid and how she um, presses her fingernails into her arm, you know, and he's just why does she do that is what he's thinking. And then when we're in Hadia's perspective, we see that that's something that she thinks is a secret. no one observes but we know that Amar is observing her in that way but also so it's like it was so exciting to to occupy that um or to think about what fiction can do in that way um partially because not only does it show what you can convey and communicate with another what you can observe in another but also um how limited you are, how you're making such big assumptions, even based off of the people that you love the most and think about the most. And you're acting not out of an actual awareness of who they are and how they're experiencing the moment, because you just don't know how they're experiencing it. But you're acting out of these assumptions.
2: Yeah, you're creating your own
0: fiction yes. for it,
2: really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And did you have to keep track as you were going through of what character A has done and then what character B has observed and then character A being aware of that later on? Were you able to keep it all in your head? It sounds like you might have needed a spreadsheet for something like that. In
1: a very weird way, I didn't. I, of course, I kept, you know, once it was all written, I wrote down, I I made uh, index cards of each scene, and I said, and in in the scene, it's like, what happens plot-wise, what happens emotionally, and whose perspective it is in, and what age they are, um, to try to figure out, you know what are the big moments that are happening in, say, Amar's life at the time that I'm entering Hadia at this age, and then also what needs to happen in the novel before it and what needs to happen after it to kind of place us in it, um, not chronologically but in terms of secrets that are revealed in time. Um, but when I'm when I was actually entering the scenes and writing it, I was never thinking about that, and I would also be. It was a little shocking to me to 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 see the the way that the characters would reveal themselves fully formed in a way even though i was entering them at different ages for example there's a scene where i'm with Amar at 18 or no no 17 and he's he's thinking about his experience in high school and how he's in in danger of dropping out of failing his classes and how he's having a hard time paying attention and all of these these things are present and then much later in my own process but much earlier in the life of the novel I'm with Layla when she's in her late 20s and she's walking into no, no early 30s and she's walking into a library with her children and Amara's five at this time and she's already perceiving in him the the kind of patterns or the problems that will make him that one day be the kid who can't pay attention in class but at that age she's She's not aware of that or asking those questions. And so I would feel in shock at those moments because it's kind of like they were already themselves. I was just receiving Mm. what they were telling me.
2: You also address some issues that some readers and also people who haven't read the book are going to respond quite emotionally to I'm talking about things like wearing the hijab and arranged marriage and things like that that you cover did you have any qualms about touching on those subjects obviously they're they're personal to you but you know we live in an age where anyone can go on twitter and make a complaint against you you Mm -hmm. know completely Mm -hmm. unfounded never having read the book how did you did you even think about those things before it sounds like you were so invested in your book that maybe you know, the story just had to be told.
1: To me, all I was thinking about was the characters and trying to honor the consciousness of the characters. And so in doing so, of course hijab comes up, but the way that hijab comes up for Hadiah is very different than the way that it comes up for Leila. And so I was what I was loyal to was was capturing what it means to them and not to not trying to convey a message or not trying to show what it is for me. Um Hadiya decides not to wear hijab and Layla is is and Layla and Huda are devoted to it and we see and so I I was never trying to say that this is one way to be and this is another way to be I, the only thing I was after is okay what was it like for these family this family to be and also I'm the family is just one family and they're just one um, and they happen to be Muslim but I wasn't ever trying to to make a statement about Muslim families in general or um, what it's like to be the children of immigrants or in general, I was just trying to really uncover what is it like for Hadia and what is it like for Amar and for Layla, and how does faith function in their life, not in the way that the world would um, impose upon them, um, but how does it actually function? Like how does Hadia actually think of God? Um, And for her, it comes up when she, in a moment where um, the guy that she has a crush on offers her a stick of gum and no one in her class sees. And so to her, the thought is, oh, thank God, no one saw. But then how does it function for Layla when it's something that she calls upon when she's so moved at the sight of her children that she just thinks, thank God that I, you know, like, alhamdulillah, that these are my children kind of thing. So I, yeah, I don't know how people respond. um, But I just know that to me, my goal was just to honor them.
2: Well, I think people are going to respond to that authenticity actually more than anything else. So, you
0: also the story also intersects with obviously with 9-11. And um, did did that kind of address? Did that kind of change any of the issues that you wanted to address in your writing, or was it kind of a circumstantial kind of situation? So it's
1: that's an interesting question because I knew um, I knew at some level that I was writing this. About a family, a Muslim family, in a post nine eleven world. I knew that to be true. Um, At the same time, I was so I wanted to protect them so stubbornly, and from that, like I wanted to, I didn't want to approach their their story with that lens already, you know, because to me that's so limiting. And to me, um, there are ways in which. You know, personally, now I'm talking, um, that element of my identity, it of course, is inextricable from the way that I move through the world. Um, But there are also ways in which it has nothing to do with what I'm concerned about on any given day. And so I knew that, you know, one of the reasons that I paused when the first name that I wrote was Hadia was because that was the first time I ever wanted to, I ever felt compelled to write about a woman who could have been my sister, who could have been me, who could have been a girl in my community. And I also knew how few stories there were about a woman who could have been me or my sister. And I um, and I just felt that I didn't want to do a disservice to their characters. I didn't want to, to write about their story in a way that um, further limited what these lives are actually like. I just wanted to, and so because of knowing all of that, I just thought I'm going to clear my head from that as much as I possibly can and focus as closely as I can to what the character wants what the character is going through and sometimes what Amar wants is new shoes and sometimes what Amar confronts is the fact that the boy in his class who was once his friend is asking him now is your father a terrorist and both of those things is what it is to be Amar Um, but I didn't want to I didn't want to exploit or lean too heavily on that on, the, on Amar as a Muslim, you know, in bold letters, Muslim boy growing up in America, because, because that to me, it, applying that label, it means nothing. Like, I mean, of course, it means something. But to me, the label itself is meaningless. And I just wanted to know, how does that actually affect how he moves to the world? How does that actually play a part in his thinking? And so that's what I was trying to find out.
2: Well you've done it incredibly successfully. Um, As we did a little bit of research I found out that you were actually considering becoming a doctor Mm -hmm. before you embarked on creative writing. Two very seemingly different careers. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how you decided to take the 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 leap you know because some people for some people the idea of leaving a conventional profession to go and do something creative just fills them with terror i.e my father <laughs> um but for other people it is just it's just a compulsion how did you make that decision
1: so the reason that i um started taking pre-med courses is because i when i was 18 and i was still living at home or 17 i struck a deal with my dad and i said baba if you let me go away for college, if you let me move away for college, I'll become a doctor. And I knew that that's what he he wanted me to be and what he wanted all of his children to be. Um, and... I, that's, that's what I did. I moved, I was taking these classes. I hated them. I was miserable in them. It was clear that the most of me was not being used or seen. And and actually the best of me, I mean, not the best of me, sorry, the worst of me was being, um, you know, like I just couldn't engage in those classes. And so I was taking creative writing classes because I had always loved writing and that's always how I felt my most authentic self. And that was always, my um like personal joy and that's when I started writing about these characters and I was very lucky that I was in the class um in the class with um the writer Charmaine Craig uh, who is the most recent author of Miss Burma and she's the one who pulled me aside and said to me one day after um after the novel had kind of begun to take on its own life she said something like Fatma let's discuss your future in fiction writing and I remember thinking, what are, you ta- "What are you talking about? Like, I don't have a future in this. Like, my future is, you know, in in honoring this um, uh, like promise I had made, or like an obligation that I had taken on." Um, but then there was something about her saying that, and something about how much I had already started caring about these characters that made me just think, "No, no, that's absolutely what I'm, what I have to do." And that right as soon as I left that her office hours. I remember I just was crying on my way back to the dorm. I remember it was springtime and I remember I didn't even wait until I was back at the dorm. I just called my Baba and I said, Baba, I'm I'm switching. I'm gonna write this novel. That's what I'm gonna do and I told myself that I would allow myself to to devote myself to the family as long as I um I like I told myself I'll give myself ten years to write it to because of my main goal is to do justice to their lives partly because of what I was feeling like this is a story that hasn't been told and I just don't want to tell it in a way that that does a disservice to them that's what I, I felt like I, I my responsibility in that moment was actually to them and not to my family anymore and not to a promise I had made anymore and that actually feeling that this was taking on a life that was bigger than me um, made it so easy for me to prioritize how I navigated those moments because everything from that day on became after I asked myself, okay, what's best for my writing? What's best for telling this family story? And then that is what I. Then that allowed me to then navigate some difficult <laughs> conversations.
2: He, your, your dad must be so proud of you now. He
1: is so proud of he me now. Yeah. He is my. He's the. You know. He. Him. Um, he. Like. He's so proud of me. My mom is. My brothers. They're my biggest champions. I mean, I dedicated the book to them. I. I learned so much from from them about what it means like m- even more now I'm going to get emotional um, but even more than what it means what I've learned from this book about what it means to be in a family what it means to to find your own voice what it means to act on that voice like I've learned from actually in a weird way like my my life has followed a parallel path to the novel or the very themes that I was trying to explore in the novel I was acting upon in with more um with more um boldness I guess in my own life because the the novel is about these characters who who sense these tensions and they don't always act upon them or they act upon them as Amar does in like one-sided kind of selfish ways you know but for me I I was kind of acting upon them in in different ways um and but but through seeing how my family would always at first be upset um but then would come around and be like no no if this is who you say you are then how can we become the parents or the brothers that we need to be to help you be that and that was their constant um you know, that was our constant journey.
0: Oh, it's so, so wonderful that it's gone so well for you. It, <laughs> it shows what yeah. happens when you kind of believe in yourself and you have people that believe in you. That's really lovely that it's... Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well yeah. So, um, and um, we also really love to hear how, how kind of like writers, writers, pro, like processes. And obviously you kind of touched on that a little bit with the kind of um, exploratory writing that you were talking about earlier. But if you could just let us know a little bit about your kind of writing habits, are you writing something else or are you giving yourself a bit of a break?
1: Um, Right now I'm trying to work on some essays um, and I'm trying to explore a little bit more directly the, the, some of the personal things that I ha- have thought about or have gone through that I gave up when writing a novel because I really just tried to figure out what their story was. So I'm not working on um, a new fiction, but I am dabbling in other ways. Um, but in terms of my process, I...
2: Yeah, that's such a broad question. I'm, like, I'm wondering how I can <laughs> answer that. I... say so you, you don't kind of write from 5 a.m. till 7 a.m. every morning?
1: I mean, the way that I... I to me the the in some ways it's just such a blur and in other ways the novel was my goal every day and i was working on it in some way shape or form almost every day unless i was home um and i was so lucky to be able to have gone to iowa after undergrad because before then i was working on it between classes or um you know in the cafe and and um but when i went to iowa it was a place that allowed me to really make it my, the center of my life. And so, you know, Fridays, Saturdays, like weekends meant nothing. It was just another day. I wake up, I work until I get hungry, and then I will change where I'm sitting so that I can trick myself into believing that I've changed something. <laughs> and then, or if I've been writing new stuff all day, then I'll return to old work or I'll read or something just to stay in the world and just to keep re-entering it but I was a big post-it user <laughs> yeah.
0: can, you, can you tell us a little bit more about the Iowa Writers Workshop is it is it how long's the course is it kind of like a like a sort of a, the equivalent of a masters like we've heard of it here yes. I've, I've heard of it from girls basically <laughs> but like we've, heard, we've met writers that have been on it but I don't think we've specifically asked about what happens on the course
1: yeah, so it's a two-year program, and it is a master's program. It's a master's in fine arts, and your only obligation when you're there is that on Tuesdays you get together in a room with um, 15 other or 12 other writers, and w- so once a week you workshop somebody else's story, and so you, you have a whole week to read it, and you come prepared to think what is the writer trying to accomplish, and how what are their blind spots? How can we, as a, a group, decide that they are going to take this work on its own terms and try to um, give them suggestions or feedback that will allow them to to accomplish that and so once a semester you would you would submit your own stuff and you're also taking seminars and things like that and but other than that you just are writing but it's so exciting it was so exciting for me because suddenly i felt like oh this is my people these are my people you know like here's a community of people who are who are absolutely um, you know also in love with trying to figure out how to write a better best sentence or how to figure out through novels like how to write your own and how to and so that was like what we were talking about and that's what and they were working on their own projects and so that was exciting and daunting you know at first or in general and your all your teachers were all my teachers they were so incredible I worked with Sam Chang and Marilyn Robinson Ethan Kanan and Karen Russell and so I just feel and Paul Harding and I just feel so fortunate that I was able to work with the people that I worked with there and also that the peers that I made, the like my classmates, the friends that I made, they're the ones who, you know, long after the program ended, I was sending my novel to to say, okay, did I do it right, you know? Yeah. Or, do you think I've done something, you know? It
0: seems like writers, like having a group of writers is, is just so key to kind of feeling like you're not going mad. I mean, that's the whole kind of idea behind the riffraff. Basically. I don't know.
1: I, I think that you still feel like you're going mad. <laughs> you feel like you, or it, it just makes it, it just ma- it makes it easier for you to convince yourself that you're not going mad because everyone around you is also going mm. mad. But then my brother would visit me and he'd be like, Fuck, "What is your life? You're living in this strange fishbowl, and <laughs> and ev- your priorities are just you know, but yeah." Oh, oh, it
0: must sounds been joyous.
2: Sounds like- yeah, yeah, it so, yeah. It does yeah. Sound amazing. Let's all <laughs> move to Ireland. <Isle. laughs> yeah. Um. Thank you so much for joining us on the Refract Podcast. Thank you, guys. This is so fun.
0: Um, Rosie and I just wanted to thank you all so much for listening. We're so incredibly grateful. So please do let us know what you think, what you'd like more of, and any debut authors you'd like to hear from. Also, it would be really lovely if you could subscribe and give us a review so we can spread the word and give these marvellous debut authors the exposure they deserve. The Riff Raff Podcast is hosted by co-founders Amy Baker and Rosie Edwards. Come say hey at the-riffraff.com.